Testing, testing, one, two, testing, testing, one, two, testing, testing, one, two, testing, testing, one, two, testing, testing, one, two. All right, you're going to love that. I have no idea where this will lead us. I have a definite feeling it will be a place both wonderful and strange. I'll see you again in Chauncey. Happiness meanwhile. Drowning my sorrows in booze at the bookhouse, I'm Jasmine. And letting the rain fall as it has been, I'm Mel's. Welcome to Damn Fine TV's Twin Peaks Rewatch. This week, we're covering Season 2, Episode 17, sometimes known as Wounds and Scars, or as we're calling it, Presence and Pretenses. Listeners, there are no secret tricks or magic words. We'll start to see reality again when our minds begin to feel safe. For now, let's rock. This episode first aired on March 28, 1991. It was written by Barry Pullman and directed by James Foley. Returning to the show this week are some of our fave podcasting pals. The Barkhouse Boys from Talking Backwards are here, so let's say hello to Dave Better Than the Beefside Jackson. That's me. Patrick Back Online Mayhem. Hey, everybody, I'm back online. <laughs> and Tyler, Mr. Spoilers, Mr. S. Mullen. <laughs> Mr. S. Leland, Leland did it. And you all know that now. Uh, It's so good to have you guys back. Thanks for being here. Thanks a lot for having having us. This is great. Thanks for having us. This is great. (laughs) Stop copies me. Uh, Uh, Thanks for coming. This is great. Thanks for being here, guys. It's been a long time time coming. Yeah, it's been a long time in the making is what I was just going to say. I feel like a lot has changed for you guys since the last we spoke. Uh, You've kind of finished your episodic journey through Twin Peaks. And I know you still have a few Twin Peaks related things coming up, but is there anything else you are ready to tease about what might be coming next for Talking Backwards or do we have to wait? So we have finished our episode by episode coverage up through the return. Uh, We do still have a couple of episodes coming out uh, from our experience at the Double R Diner with the owners, Max and Rachel. Mm -hmm. It was an Uh, experience. It was quite the experience, and uh, we have our coverage with John Bernardi and Take the Ring, uh, Jeremiah Bieber, for the final dossier coming down the pike, and uh, that'll be real good fun. Beyond that, it's a secret. Ooh. But we're looking for secrets. (laughs) Are you looking for secrets? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that's okay. We'll have to stay tuned and see what happens. For now, let's, let's talk about what you can tell us, which is your overall thoughts on this episode. So let's start with you, Mr. Spoilers over there. What did you think of Wounds and Scars? Uh, leading up to this whole event, Patrick kept <laughs> telling me this was like the worst episode or we gave it the worst scores of all time. We gave so it the I- worst scores of, of our Talking Forehead segment that was Whoa. our lowest rated of season two. Yeah. yeah, and I didn't remember one bit of it, and I watched it literally right before I got on this Zoom, and when I started watching it, I was like, oh, why is this so bad? This is awesome, 
And then it just got worse and worse <laughs> and worse. <laughs> and I wish I could give it a lower score than I did. Oh, damn. <laughs> okay. It's not possible on our scale. <laughs> it is not. We'll have to change the scale. All right. What about you, Patrick? Um, yeah. I mean, it's there. It's <laughs> it aired. I, I will if there's one thing I took away more this time, I found myself really enjoying uh the camera work. Like some of the shots, like when Annie's introduced and there's a shot panning up to Norma, and even that like side angle shot of Kath, like before Jones walks in, like there's some cool cinema cinematography. Yeah. And that's the most positive things i have to say about this episode dave uh so generally it's still kind of a bummer the disguises are really funny and i don't know i i like seeing harry a little bit unhinged that's kind of fun oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what purpose jones is supposed to play it's just it's it's weirdly paced and if if it wasn't for the the couple of funny moments like a the Pete chess thing is a real saving grace. The The funny costumes and the chess are the only things that really make this episode worth watching for me. Outside of that, kind of a wash. And my opinion hasn't really changed on that. Fair enough. Okay, Mels, what do you have to say? Well, okay, I... I didn't hate it. It's not one of my favorites. And this is what I was saying last episode about how I kind of was not anticipating what was coming because I knew mm. what was left in store. And uh, this was definitely one of those <laughs> episodes where I was like, okay. And I pretty much have all the same feelings as Dave, except I will say another funny moment for me was just Dick getting mauled by a ferret. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> yeah, outside of that, it, it just didn't, do anything for me. I didn't really. I mean, we got introduced to a couple of new characters. Yeah, we moved the Wyndham plot along a little bit. But outside of that, I mean, we were really just watching Harry have his breakdown, which is fine. But I, I'm also not a big fan of that either. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Well, I think I feel differently than everyone here. I mean, I don't love this episode, but I think I'm definitely a bit I don't know, uh, maybe I'll be a bit kinder to it than the rest of you, but <laughs> if it just feels like a good middle of the road episode to me. Like it's not a lonely souls, certainly, but it's also not a uh, slaves and masters by any means. Like, you know, we get Ugh. some good progression here. I also really liked a lot of the direction uh, and cinematography, like particularly the scenes at the bookhouse and Wyndham's cabin. I love the sort of lighting in those scenes or the lack thereof, really. Like, all we really get is the sun kind of shining through the windows. And there was something really eerie about the way that that visual language kind of connected the two spaces that I thought was really intriguing. And that scene when Cooper and Wyndham are both at the double R, like, at the counter, there was some cool camera work there. And, yeah, I the disguises are really fun. There's something about identities that kind of runs throughout Twin Peaks, and I always find it really fun when we see it played out in a more mundane way, I guess, like the costuming and the fashion show, Mike and Nadine putting on this sort of alter ego to get into the Great Northern, all of Wyndham's disguises. So I think that kept it fun. And I 
am 100% here for Harry being drunk and waving a gun around. I love that shit. So. It's so dangerous. So though. unprofessional. Oh. This that. really is the disguises episode. The, yeah. Like, yeah. like big it's, choices being made with yeah. costuming. Yeah. yeah. I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. Because one of the comments you made, Dave, in our episode was about how how do you get all that out to the cabin? How do you get all his disguises out? <laughs> yeah, where, where's his trunk of <laughs> costumes? How much luggage yeah. did he bring, right? Yeah, that's one of my notes. Like he was he's such a theatrical man. Twin Peaks I, costume shop. Well, I was about to say, I think he's driving up to Spokane and going to the party city. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's get into some damn fine facts. Yes. So the Condemned Woman, which was, of course, last week's episode, that aired on Saturday, February 16th. And then Wounds and Scars, this week's episode, didn't come back until Thursday, March 28th. So there was more than a month between episodes. And I know that there was, like, some production issues in the background happening. But I just think it's so interesting that people had to sit on the cliffhanger of Josie becoming a drawer knob. I mean, that must have been a little bit crazy making. And then... I, d- I actually don't even know if they already knew about the cancellation, but to know that there was only six episodes left and they had to wait in between that, I don't know, just the Josie reveal, that's crazy to me. I could be wrong, but I think the Gulf War had something to do with a lot of those delays at their end of like season two because they kept oh, getting wow. delayed and like shifted in time slots. But yeah, yeah I that's mean, a long that's a long time to wait on the Josie doorknob cliffhanger. Yeah. <laughs> Damn you, George Bush. <laughs> that could have been I mean, that could have been the end. They could have just <laughs> just canned the last six episodes and that'd be the last thing that aired. Holy shit, can you imagine? <laughs> All right. Next up. So according to the Twin Peaks wiki, which yes, I do a lot of research there, uh, Tim Pinkle, our pine weasel expert. He was also the salesman that Bobby and Shelley spoke with uh, about getting Leo that sort of home care swinging chair thing. But yeah. mm-hmm. apparently he's also the owner of Tim and Tom's taxidermy, where Pete That's once right. took a fish that he caught. So I just love that this Tom Pinkle is like Twin Peaks sort of jack of all trades. Like he's just very versatile. Yeah, what a backstory. Like yeah. he's just got he's. He's around and you just don't know it. Yeah. <laughs> like he's and knowing doing that a lot makes of it, stuff. Yeah. Knowing that makes it make a lot more sense that he's trying to use the stuffed version of the pine weasel at first. Yeah. It makes so much sense. They were definitely a sponsor. That's a really fun detail <laughs> and one that I I really didn't pick up on until we did our uh feature on Twin Peaks Unwrapped. Twin Peaks Unwrapped, yeah. Mm. And we got to kind of explore a deleted scene where Tim and Tom drive Billy Zane, I think, to to a plane or pick him up from a plane, one or the other. And oh. you actually get to see yeah. both Tim and Tom interact and get to meet those characters like that. And just it hadn't clicked with me yeah. at all that that was who this guy was. And I, again, it's something that's just dropped in and brushed over that you miss if you're not paying attention. Totally. Yeah. That He's also like an Uber scene. driver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The first. Makes sense. <laughs> he was the first one. <laughs> All right, final damn fine fact for this week. Bury Me Not on the Lone Prairie. This is the song that Jack sings to Audrey. And essentially, mm. it's about a dying a dying man's request to not be buried on the prairie, which isn't honored. And he is, in fact, buried on the prairie. I looked this up because I thought that I recognized it and not from Twin Peaks. Turns out I recognized it from Bugs Bunny, of all things. 
But also it just felt yep. like such a strange song choice. And Patrick, yes. I know you were texting me earlier and saying you had stuff to say about this. I don't know if you want to talk about it now or during the scene, but. I just, again, Dave's, talk, Dave's talking about the pacing. Yeah, you've got this super badass stuff going on with the log lady and Garland Briggs. Yeah. With their badass tattoos. And all of a sudden you transition to the worst fucking thing. I'm so sorry. It's just <laughs> Billy fucking Zane singing. Like, why? Yes. And his cowboy hat, his yes. silly cowboy hat. Like, what is he doing? It's worse I've than just you. I'm just so saying long. it. It's that worse is... than just you. It's awful. Like, it's just, oh. I don't. That's don't. like the first hipster, like. Uh, it's not even. It's not even. Oh. Like, well, it's terrible. <laughs> pseudo cowboy hat. But that shot of him, like him just the way he's laying there in the cowboy hat. The face he's, he's making. Like, it's. It's awful. Atrocious. Yeah. yeah. I'm I just hate saying. it. But that transition, that was one of the most off putting things going from something so cool to this dumbass in his cowboy hat. <laughs> He's not a cowboy. So, sorry, I, I got hot. I'm sorry. I got That's okay. hot. That's okay. This is the place to get hot. hot. This is the time. I got hot. Yeah. Well, I think that this calls for a little something to just seal in Patrick's thoughts on that. And for me, it would be fair. Well, that's it. That's damn fine facts. Well, let's get into the episode. Harry reminisces about Josie while drowning his sorrows. A hawk comes and fills him in on Wyndham. I'm sorry, but I felt like the Josie montage was like 45 minutes of this episode. I think this is where Angelo Badalamenti shone. He did. <laughs> she was shining. <laughs> I just, listen, I don't, no hate to Joan Chen. I've never connected with Josie. I don't care about Josie. I that's been reassured in me in this second time around. I there's so many things I don't understand. Whatever. I don't need these moments. Like they could have maybe at least shot some moments that we didn't see in the episodes, perhaps. It's just the fact that it was just that's like extra work. Oh, well, give me something because it was all the po- it was all the things that we've made fun of on this podcast. The, those were the moments that they chose to show her and her negligee when Harry didn't know what the hell was going on, like her <laughs> cozying up to him, you know, and the awkward forehead kisses, like she's you know a, a dog. Neck. It's just weird. And uh, after, like, literally the first couple of ones, I was like, you can stop now. But yet, no, we kept going and going. And I was like, And another turn of the glass. And another turn of the glass. (laughs) Exactly. We know that Harry's going to be upset about this, obviously. Josie. been the whole episode. We should have just made this the whole episode. Just (laughs) Josie Truman montage. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of liked this opening. It felt a little film noir. It was cheesy. It was silly. It felt in line with the show. I don't know. It's very silly. I I enjoyed it. I mean, yeah, I could have done without so much of these clips that we've already seen, but the twirling of the glass and the jazz, it worked for me. I liked Mm. it. It was a great idea, a great concept for how to open the episode and really how to come back from, you know, where we left it. Yeah. Like this is. You know, still a, a fresh wound, perhaps a scar. Mm. And it's it's a really good idea. But the 
the scenes that they chose to the scenes they chose for the montage yeah. were I I think not the best choices. Could have used uh, a little more drawer knob. Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> it felt a little slapped together. Uh, they I think they weren't the most impactful moments. But I mean, I could also see the the particular scenes being chosen for uh, Harry just remembering the the t- things that he wanted to, like mm-hmm. the things that he perceived as being a good relationship and worthwhile. And I mean, of, of course, if you're a broken man like this, you're just going to gloss over the bad stuff and try to yeah. you know wallow in self pity for a while. I would sure. have opened this episode right back where we left off, still in the room with the drawer knob happening and Cooper and Harry reacting to said drawer knob. Get those instant reactions. Yeah, I wonder if they were just trying to let us know that some time had passed, but I agree. I would have loved to see more at the tail end of that scene. I do like some of Harry's dialogue here, though, about how, you know, Twin Peaks is a simple town. You guys can handle this. And then he rethinks that. And maybe it's not so simple anymore. The world's caught up with us or something interesting about that. Like, I like that he's reflective on things in that way. And also the way that he just laughs at the breakfast is just so good. Yeah, what was that? Yeah. Oh, that Norma. God bless Norma. Like, what? He's just so shammered. Right? <laughs> Anything is funny. Like, I was expecting the breakfast. He must be thrilled <laughs> to see some food. Yeah. I was expecting the breakfast plate to look like the one that Pete presented to mm-hmm. Andrew. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. A smiley face. Just a funny animal face, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Mickey Mouse pancakes. Oh, God bless Norma. (laughs) Roller girl? Annie arrives to a warm welcome. Margaret and Garland share a touching, pun intended, moment. (laughs) I mean, all I can think about is roller girl, and that's just because I'm just disgusted in the mind. So that's all there is to that. So we can continue on. Um, again, the camera work here is really cool, um, but I hadn't noticed. It's really quick. I hadn't noticed Toad catching a glimpse of Annie as he walks by. He totally, oh. he totally turns around, and takes a glance. Yeah, he does. He's like, she stands out. Mm-hmm. Do you guys feel like Annie and Norma are sisters? No, because no. <laughs> it's weird. Because I feel like, I mean, I feel like they know each other, but. Maybe they just have spent so much time apart in their lives that they just don't know each other that well. Because there is like a there's a relationship there, but it does. It just doesn't feel like sisters to me. Maybe the 15 year age difference really came into play. Yeah, I was just about to say. So I do have a sister, believe it or not. She is 12 years older than me. I am. Uh, I can, you cannot <laughs> believe it because you've never it. seen her in your life. <laughs> um, she's 12 years older than me. That I'm age like gap him. obviously did. Yeah, it presented like she was in college when I was in kindergarten. So she's always been a totally different phase of her life than me, obviously. So uh-huh. I kind of was thinking about that in this moment. But see, we, even though there's the age difference, I feel like if I showed up, from the convent and she was like okay how have you been doing melissa i feel like it would be different it just would feel different because we did still know each other i guess i should say like even the conversation about have you talked to mom or like you know like even that was kind of weird like when i me and my sister talk about our mom we're like oh my god like you know what i'm saying like it's just mm-hmm. it it felt different so yeah i tried to put myself in the place of that 
but it still came off odd. But this is also a TV show. So I'm just like, quit putting so much like personal investment into this. Like you're that's, not Annie that's and what Norma. We do here, girl. <laughs> <laughs> it's damn but, fine TV. That's right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> not half ass talk about it. <laughs> Hey, welcome to our new show, Half Ass Talk About It. <laughs> Can be a Patreon exclusive, right? Here. I like that. Those are just like short episodes. Exactly. <laughs> There's some credits, some stuff happens, it ends. Yeah, what, what do you want? It sucked. Bye. Have a nice day. <laughs> Where are we on the fact that maybe Norma is Annie's mom and they were raised as sisters? It's Whoa. a real thing. I've experienced that not myself but <laughs> i've known it to happen do not tell me if this is the path we're going down that hank is her daddy please no mm. no 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 nope no that doesn't because annie's way better than hank well, that blood is not running through that vein i need to think about that more I, so i guess ed's. she would be ed's. ed's let's don't do this okay because listen i'm already struggling with ed mr ed okay i'm <laughs> I'm already struggling Mr. with Mr. Ed. Ed. I can't do this right now. Okay? He's got his tail stuck in the mailbox again, Wilbur. I can't do it. Okay? Do they imply her to be a little bit older? Like with her and Cooper, it's like, well, we clearly avoided the Audrey Cooper storyline, so we're putting him with someone a little bit older. Yeah. So, like, she wouldn't be 17, 18. Yeah. I feel like she's early 20s. Yeah. Also, so I guess Major Briggs has come out of the shadows at this point. Oh, because that was the last that we heard of him, right? Was that, you know, catch him in the shadows if you need him. So, yeah. The first time we've seen Log Lady in a minute, too. Again, like one of my biggest gripes, especially about pretty much after the killer reveal in season two, is that why didn't like we started introducing just a ton of new characters. It's like, why don't we just use these people we have and that we've had since the beginning who are so good? Can you can argue the less is more? I agree, but still, it's like give me more of this and yeah. less of yeah the marshlands. I <laughs> yeah, I love anything that the two of them do together because they hold that space together of otherworldly, mm-hmm. you know, connections, events, and just the way that she touches that, you know, mark behind his ear. It was. I loved it. It was great. I've got chili bumps right now thinking about it just because it's like, you know, what's going through like both of their minds where it's like, okay, yeah, you didn't just quote unquote, you know, lose some time this time. It was something a little bit more than that. Right. Yeah. There's that sort of kindred spirit connection where they've kind of both touched another plane and they, yeah, they're like the keepers of twin peaks. Yeah. And they definitely have different experiences to discuss like i'm sure if they you know sat down about it that they would have you know such tales to tell cooper and hawk get down to business about josie's odd topsy thank you patrick and we they have no word on wyndham so this is obviously i i hate paperwork i totally get it it also just the whole way that cooper in his flannel with his little pin, you know, deputy's pin on him, covered in a mound of paperwork on his desk. I love this on so many levels because he even says this is more like paperwork than the bureau, right? And I, it's just funny to me because it's like 
he really hasn't been deputized that long. And now that Harry's on uh, medical family, medical leave, um, you know, he's got to really step in. And I'm just thinking to myself, Harry, what have you been doing in there? Because obviously this mess didn't just appear overnight. So he's been slacking and this I don't know how that's going to look on his EPR. All right. This town has been through it the last few weeks. Let's yeah. just, let's give the man a break. Okay. okay you're right. I'm, so <laughs> I'm sure the pipeline's a little backed up as far as yeah. what they've had to, I'm sure this is more work than this sheriff's department has had to do in a long <laughs> time. Like, yeah, that's true. So yeah, I'll, I'll cut him some slack on that. I Probably. really want to dive into this autopsy report though. Like, can we get into these details? Yeah. This is the, the 21 grams mentality here. Yeah. Like saying that her body only weighed, or Josie's body only weighed 65 pounds after her death. It's that whole, when the body dies, it loses 21 grams of weight. And that's the soul, man. Mm-hmm. Like, like if, if if we're going with that, there's there's a fun concept here where if you're taking this idea of the body will lose weight when the soul leaves, that means that her soul was heavy, yes. heavy man. It means that she was weighed down yeah. by something, and that's and again a concept that I really wish we could explore more. Like I I want to talk about how we have a 65 pound body after her death. Like what? Mm-hmm left her like what right. is left of her and yeah. where did it go but this is as much as we're gonna get on this yeah yeah like we're gonna drop this information and then let it lie it is super frustrating because we've had other nods towards the idea of souls in twin peaks too like jay and Am solitaire uh the episode mm-hmm. titled lonely souls i mean this yes. would be the perfect avenue for the show to go down and you're right mm-hmm. the fact that it was such a loss in weight i mean what what more was Josie even holding on to? And what does that mean just for like the darkness of the town in general? I would have loved to see that explored further. Like, is is it possible that there was more concept of her being a vessel for something? Yes. That she was sure. kind of almost sleeper celled into this town to do the things that she did. And then when that time ran up, it was like, okay, we're taking the soul that was already in her. We're taking our, our like, monster agent whatever i don't know there's there's a lot of cool ideas to play with here yeah 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 i mean it's just the throwaway line of it could have been something to do with what i saw in that room and i was just like well yes, let's, let's and says, check that like, out we should whistle <laughs> let's talk our about way that. past this graveyard like why exactly i know the superstition of like if you drive past a graveyard you hold your breath yes. so that you don't disturb the dead yes oh, i but, don't do that i just turn down the music you better not laugh either <laughs> That's so kind of you don't, yeah, I don't laugh. turn it off i just turn it down. i i had not previously heard of whistling past the graveyard but i guess maybe that's a way of also just like making sure everything's Who's driving by a graveyard and like yeah. cat calling <laughs> <laughs> hey girl Woo, sexy hey girl how'd you die <laughs> Hey girl, hey girl, how'd you die? <laughs> what a pickup line. <laughs> hey girl, I heard you weighed 65 pounds, huh? <laughs> so tight. Where's that weight? <laughs> no. Where'd the rest of that go? <laughs> oh, no. Terrible. I sort of took no. it to mean, like, let's sweep that under the rug. Did I read that wrong? It kind of feels like that, right? Yeah, so like people will whistle past it to take their mind off the fact that they are walking past the graveyard. So yeah, like whistling past this would be like, well, let's just let's just move on, you know, and not talk about what's happening so right frustrating. now. Yeah. Wyndham's allergies are acting up and Leo assists him with his morning routine. 
Wyndham calls Cooper stale and realizes he's getting help, ending the scene with a tear-jerking flute solo. This flute is so <laughs> impractical. There's no way possible that's what's actually happening in that space. No. You don't know, man. You weren't there. <laughs> Dave, I you, was not there. You're right. When you design your Twin Peaks fighter game, I expect the flute to be used for Wyndham Earl's oh, finishing yeah. move. <laughs> yes. You know what I just thought of? A Twin Peaks clue. Where yes, oh yeah, we've Ooh. talked about that. I think somebody yeah, did it. Is, yeah, at the Great Northern with the flute. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It was Leland. <laughs> the Great Northern. It was always Leland. <laughs> always Leland. But this time with a flute. <laughs> with a flute. With a rope. With a golf club. Oh, with a golf, golf club. Bare fist. Yes, the golf yeah. club works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All a record dinner. skipped. With the milk. Oh, broken milk. Milk jug. Uh, yeah. Leo's devolution into just sort of a servant dog is kind of a nice touch. Like, I like seeing Leo taken down a notch and being put in this different role. Like, I think that's a a good evolution for this character. The abuser getting abused. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Audrey's smoking hot and Dick's just smoking. He's also a slime ball. Jack and Audrey have a moment and wait a minute. A pine weasel is a ferret. Okay, am I the last person to realize, or were they saying, we'll just put a ferret in here because we can't catch the elusive pine weasel? I was very confused (laughs) because I was like, I know ferrets, never heard them called pine weasels. So That seems to be what happened. So I, I actually, I harp on it quite a bit on our coverage of this episode that what they use in place of a pine weasel is 100% a ferret. They are oh, a separate okay. species. Yeah. And they, I, my headcanon is they just, since we have an endangered species, like why would you go out of your way to get one and bring it in when you could just tell yeah. people it's a pine weasel and get away with it? Yeah. It seems like, like the, the fast, <laughs> the sort of fast workaround that this crew would come up with to just make this event happen as timely as possible. True, sure. and also judging by the audience that we do see, they probably do not know what a ferret no. is. So that, They're a bunch that was, of rubes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this scene was just whatever. I really wasn't like, I don't like Dick. I'm tired of him. No, but the delivery of what's a pinkle is very good. I really well, enjoyed sure. that line. Sure, but I'm tired. I'm just... I'm tired of him. Okay. I'm ready for him to He's retire. He's like a new level of pompous in this episode for sure. Yeah. Uh, but then also the way that Audrey is very spooked that Jack is standing there. And I was just kind of like, girlfriend, he's been there the whole time. Okay. Like, there's no way he was in you, front did of you, not, all along. you didn't you can't catch avoid him. The cowboy hat. You didn't catch him in your peripheral. Give me a break. Like, oh, God. <laughs> Jack. You know, How do we like, feel about Jack and Audrey in this scene? Like, I know we already talked a little bit about the picnic that they're going to have later, but like. I, as soon as the scene started, I wanted someone to bury me on the lone prairie. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm being completely honest. Wow. I don't, uh, I just don't like it. I know, I told you I'm not really changing my opinion. I didn't like him the first time around. I just oh when he's like oh I remember when you were a little girl I hated that absolutely oh, vom no. inducing <laughs> sex with me on my plane and oh god and then this was just uh, I don't <laughs> they're awkward they're just it's mm-hmm. too awkward for me oh I like it, that. it's not a good chemistry 
It's not. Yeah. It's no Coop and Audrey. Yeah, yeah but it's not a Coop and Audrey. It's but Coop and Audrey is so awkward to me. I mean, it well, this, is. Yeah, this whole relationship is so shoehorned into the series. I don't know. I don't mind them. Like, I I see what you guys are saying about it being shoehorned in. I don't disagree. But there's something really nice about seeing Audrey smile and laugh and seeing her happy. It's been a while since she's had a genuine connection with somebody. I like it. Like, yeah, the picnic scene upcoming is gross. But yeah. Well, so I gross. I think well, for has me. Has it been that long? Oh, I mean, I we're not. Even, like, what, I, we're, remember, we're not as far removed from. <laughs> Her and or, Coop as we yeah. try to remember. Not in universe time, yeah. But just for us yeah. as we're moving through the show, it does feel like a while. But and you're that right. brief moment of her and Bobby. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, was I here did for that. like their chemistry, but no, we're, we're she talking was about genuine never going to go for Bobby. <laughs> that was more genuine than this. <laughs> no. She's not a Bobby's girl. She, she, no. no. She's a Tyler's girl. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> Okay, the main thing I think that takes me out of it is I agree with you, Jasmine. I love Audrey. She deserves it. I just don't like him. And his accent is terrible. (laughs) I don't understand it. I thought Dick had a terrible one. And then this guy shows up. And I'm like, what are you talking? How are you speaking? Who taught you this? (laughs) You know, it's like he's he has rushed like small sentences and it's weird. Hmm. You know, okay. like I wouldn't be able to talk to this man in real life. I would be like, <laughs> I need you to enunciate, speak up, like separate your words out a little better. Yeah. I don't know. Harsh criticism. That's just what. <laughs> listen, I hate him because simply because of Titanic. So Billy we Zane, I'm sorry. He's an unimaginable he's, bastard. He's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Billy Zane has a very bluntly. specific sort of lane for and it is. character acting. Zane lane? And. He has he has the Zane Lane. Uh, I recently saw a clip of him auditioning for uh, Biff in Back to the Future. Oh, no, <laughs> and it it does not work. It doesn't fit. Right. I, so they cast him like as one of his buddies. Right. Yeah, this role is for somebody else. Hmm. Yeah. And it's just the the on screen chemistry is not enough for me to buy into this glimmer of hope that audrey gets which of course of course i want to see audrey happy of course i do but no you don't just not with him not that happy yeah not not this happy with this uh, again i i I feel like i'm using the term too much but half-baked character yeah all right here we go (laughs) cooper visits a distraught harry harry's not interested in josie's sordid affairs instead he lashes out at his best friend I did feel this scene. I felt very bad. Cooper is very factual. I find it interesting, though, because Cooper can talk about Caroline to, uh, and I guess, no, Caroline wasn't an international crime lord or whatever they're pinning Josie to be. Yeah, but the concept is still there of someone that you love. And then kind of that grieving process of not only did they physically die, but your relationship died too. I understand that. I just, I struggle with Harry being angry. I don't know what it is about it. It's just very unsettling, but not in a scary way. It's unsettling as in, I I don't know if I like it. Sure, it's fun. And yeah, we like to see him. I'd not like to see him like that. But I mean, it's a different side of Harry, right? Mm -hmm. But I think because it's so jarring, I just immediately don't like it because he's supposed to be very wholesome and very like 
the Harry we know, and I just don't vibe with it. Well, I I kind of feel like that's why it's important. Hmm. Like you have yeah. this otherwise pretty flat character who's you know just kind of going with it. Like you you saw him pop off he on Albert. Yeah. yeah, but he, he generally plays kind of the same role yeah. throughout. Uh, I mean, I don't I don't mean flat in a bad way. I mean that he's one dimensional. He's uh, not even one dimensional. Like he's predictable. Yes. Like well, you, he is you who know, he is. yeah, you know who Harry's going to be scene to scene. So this is actually for me, a welcome dynamic. Mm-hmm. Again, something that could have been explored better. Like we don't get much of this outside of this episode. Well, maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Like yeah. it was just too much in one sitting. You well, know? yeah, it's it's all of this like bad part of this character jammed into one episode. You know, right. you don't, we don't really get to to unpack this and really, you know, have moments where you, you can have a, a good heart to heart and talk him down like he is to come to this on his own and then just show up later having dealt with it. Right. Right. It's I, I think it's an important dynamic to have. But I, again, I'm just another underdeveloped concept that didn't have enough time to make the impact that it needed to. I agree, but, but I could watch Harry yell like this for days, for days, for days. Oh, it's I mean, so fun. it's great. <laughs> I want like I will take what I get and love it. I just think Michael Ankin is great. I know he gets a lot of shit for these episodes when he's yelling and doing his thing, but I actually think it's great. It, the way the scene cuts to black after he yells at Cooper is such a good punctuation on the scene. Like it feels really uncomfortable mm-hmm. and you don't often see these two feeling like this with one another. So I, I don't know. I thought that was a great ending to the scene, but it does irritate me that Cooper is pointing out this like prostitution charge because yeah. he has never been judgmental about anything sex related before. I mean, anything with Laura, he's just never been like that. So I don't know what this angle is. I don't know if it's just bad writing on the part of the Cooper character here, but I, I just like that so much. I, I don't know that it's so much that he's like shaming her for the act. I think it's just the fact that it's like, look, this is a crime that she's been charged for. Like this is another criminal act. Like it's not legal to do. Yeah, I just feel like the murder should have been enough. Like, <laughs> oh, you know, sure. <laughs> but, but I mean, he's, yeah, he's, he's trying just like to, he was rubbing to it get, in just a little yeah. bit more, like with yeah. that little punctuation. Yeah, it was, it was strange. She killed somebody. And oh, to top it and off, she <laughs> with people for money. Yeah. For money. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it. I think it's a pretty human element when you're trying to get through to a friend of yours that you see is hung Fair. up on the the wrong idea of something, you'll just start throwing stuff at the wall to see what right. sticks to try and get them to open their eyes about somebody. And people make mistakes like this. Like they they just start digging into personal things that maybe you don't know that much about. Right. Just just to try and shake somebody out of a stupor and you know get them to open their eyes. Maybe you don't go about it the right way. Yeah. But you yeah. just use whatever you've got and just throw it at them to say like, hey, wake up, get out of it because they did this and this and this. Like, even if it doesn't pertain to their active situation. She cheated on a to... math test in high school. <laughs> exactly, yeah. That I would it's have like, been Here's the for. test. <laughs> and he just shows, he, he has it. I've got it right here. Here's the it was in her permanent record. Yeah. Out of a middle envelope. Yeah, yeah. it's out yeah. of the Interpol yeah. file from earlier. <laughs> like, this, this actually, this happens a lot with uh, some of the, like, 
very male-centric scenes in the series where you have what can be easily perceived as just like dudes being dudes. And it's oh, if you look at it a little bit closer, like this is very human. Like yeah. he's trying to get his friend who he hasn't really known that long, but he has his friend that he likes and he has this other person who he never liked Mm -hmm. and he's trying to get him to separate from that connection. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, fair. (laughs) Well, it is true. It's like when you're talking to a girlfriend and she's like going through a breakup uh, and you're like, hello, he slept with like, you know, half the high school or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I get it. You know, it's just like you're just throwing anything out there to get up. But, you know, for that... (sighs) Sometimes that's a bigger stab in the heart because we knew she was spreading that nookie all over town. So that just doesn't help <laughs> the yeah. situation. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I uh I like just the build of his anger there where he's just like Yes. Get out of here. Get, get out. And then he just screams. It's like, like just the first time he's ever been <laughs> angry. Like, I've seen people do this. What do you <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like an alien learning how to get upset. <laughs> yeah. It's going to help you to know she was a hardened criminal. A killer. Get out of here. I know it's not easy right now. Just get out of here. Get out of here! Go! All right. Jones meets with Catherine with interesting news about the burial of Thomas and Josie. She also comes bearing gifts. I've had my problems with Catherine in the past, but I love her in this whole episode. I'm so here for Piper Glory. She's great in this scene. Mm -hmm. To me, it's like, you know, you can you can shit talk members of your own family, but as soon as somebody outside the family starts doing it, you're like, back the fuck up, bitch. Jones, you better get right the hell out of here. I like too. She had her hand down too. Like right, yes. I was like, oh, she's got a gun. Yes. Sure enough, so because like, you see it, because you're just like, oh, I was like, hopefully she's got one. Oh, she's got one. Yeah, <laughs> and it's so calm and understated the whole scene. Like it's just, it's just two women having a conversation, but there's so much tension in the air. It's I love this scene so yeah. much. Jones doesn't lose eye contact. Like, Never. Even she's sitting down. Jones. Yeah. And Catherine, <laughs> I'm just gonna say it because I've been saying it for the past episodes that she's been in, but she looked absolutely stunning yeah. in this episode in this scene she was beautiful yeah i i guess i start i start thinking of like such a beautiful woman acting like such a turd you know what i mean like <laughs> that's not ladylike but i love that's what i love about Catherine. but she just looked stunning the lighting whatever it is because we talked about this like whatever they did mm-hmm. for her after not a, just a couple of episodes ago has just been phenomenal and it's been great so Wyndham pays Donna a visit under false pretenses. He draws Donna in by pretending to be a friend of Doc's and offers her sage advice about high school. He leaves a gift for Doc and his number. This was so spooky. I hated it. And I mean, but this is what we were talking about with Wyndham. Like I, again, coming back around, I I didn't realize how scared I was of this character. Mm -hmm. But it's an, and Jasmine, you and I have talked about this. It's another invasion yeah. thing where he yeah. just comes into this house. And she's the only one there. Um, she's young. He comments on that. He comments about her sisters. Yeah. It is just... Yeah, this is such a level up for Wyndham's creepiness. Like, we know he's already been in Cooper's hotel room. We know he's been watching people in plain sight. But the way that he sort of takes advantage of Donna's naivety here or, like, the trust that she has in her dad... 
via like, okay, this guy's a friend of my dad. I can trust him. It's okay. Clearly her parents didn't really teach her much about stranger danger, which is too bad. But yeah, this is so uncomfortable. And it's the whole time I was watching this scene, I was like, there's something else here. Like, why is this What's going on? Why do I feel this extra level of discomfort? And I'm pretty sure they're on the couch that Bob appears behind, right? Like, Correct. So that just adds mm-hmm. a whole other spooky layer yeah. to everything. Ooh. That was the first thing I thought of when the scene started, when they went in. I, I meet, As soon as they show the shot of the living room, I'm just like, Oh shit. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> where's Bob? Yeah. It's definitely <laughs> yeah. a choice to have the scene happen there, you know? I think so too. I think it's a bad disguise and it shouldn't have worked. <laughs> well, the prosthetics isn't, weren't isn't that great. Disguise, okay. Yeah. Pete's working on his chess game and dusting the floor when Cooper checks in. Somehow, six people die due to chess. Andy and Lucy are learning the game, and Lucy's getting an A. Garland and Margaret show Cooper their fresh ink and try to put the puzzle pieces together. Yeah, like, what is Pete doing? Why does he pop up from under the table? I mean, it's great. I'm here for every second of it, but is he crawling there's around also on the floor? Open honey, I don't know, but there's also an open honey jar. The bear, the classic, like, from the 90s bear I honey. That. that I have that now. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Well, is we don't, I don't 90s? eat honey. It's still a thing. I don't know why you're acting like it yeah. isn't a I thing. I don't honey buy it. Honey comes in bears. Everybody knows that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And he was obviously... He was obviously looking at the board from all angles. Okay. To make sure he was making the right right. point. But how can we know that? Because he literally disappeared and came back up wiping his face. So I'm just like, what were you doing? It's goofy, but it's great. Maybe he has, so he has a secret honey passion. (laughs) He's eating honey on the Sounds like he lost a bet. He he ducked. Got a little honey. Finished his honey. Daddy got his fix. That's what's keeping him going. Honey passion. There you go. Yeah. 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 Got to keep going. And then the way Cooper just pops up, too. I was like, oh, God, he scared me. I was like, what? Where'd you come from? Were you under the table? (laughs) So what they don't show you is the game of Twister that's going on (laughs) under the table. Yes, okay, that's it, yeah. While the chess is going on. They're just, they're preparing just in case Wyndham decides to do a Twister game next. Yeah, good call. Right? (laughs) What? Green. (laughs) I mean, maybe none of the writers were chess players. They thought the pieces looked really cool and like, <laughs> chess, can we put they like chess the thing them, that right? the knight can do? And that was it. Mm-hmm. They call them chess players, chessers, chessmen, chessers. Wait, chessmen. oh no, those are the pieces. Chessers, chessers, <laughs> chessers. I love chessers. That guy over there is a chesser for sure. <laughs> Dude, such a fucking not, chesser. Not chesser, the molester. <laughs> Let's don't go there. Okay, but I do love Garland and Margaret here yeah. because yes, very good. It was great. They they're trying to clue Cooper in. I love him drawing their uh, markings on the chalkboard and trying to figure out how they connect. I absolutely love it. But I also love the way that Margaret's like, well, guess what? He's not the. I mean, it's just the way she pulls her skirt up and she's like, but bam, check out my mountain tattoo. You know, <laughs> I was just like, Margaret, you are full of surprises. And I love it. She has a past. <laughs> She has yeah. definitely got a past. <laughs> and I love that we got to know more of it in this scene. Yeah. And always I'm sad when she does talk about her husband dying in the fire. I, that's another thing. Like, it's I wish was explored a little bit more in the show. I mean, like, I guess we don't have to have, like, great, great details about it. Because it's just, like, maybe one of those mysterious type things. But I don't know. I always just want to know more about her husband. Who was he? Mm-hmm. Already. 
All right. Yeah, I, we can, <laughs> no, we can I skip it I'm if just... you'd like. We've talked enough about can, it. I don't think there's anything else to cover. Can we talk about here? Sure. I'm going to half-ass it right now. Jack <laughs> Billy Zane sings. Yeah. <laughs> Jack serenades Audrey. Something about coyotes and graves. Anyway, love is in the air for these two as Audrey feeds Jack like a baby. It's beautiful scenery. It's absolutely yeah, nice stunning. Picnic, for sure. nice Breathtaking views. Yeah, but I was like, not this. <laughs> not this. Please, please not this. <laughs> this mm. is inconsequential to me. Like, <laughs> what, what do we get out of this? He says that he's interested in her. Obviously, he's interested mm-hmm. in her. We, we know that. Get rid of this. Donna tells her dad about Gerald and gives him the gift. Surprise, Gerald's dead, and Wyndham's left Doc a chess piece. So obviously the best part about this to me was just the fact that the phone number went to a cemetery. (laughs) This scene to me was like one of those moments where it's like, he's been dead the whole time. (laughs) No, (laughs) dun, dun, dun. Yeah. It's It's a good play. It's a good seed for how threatening yes. Wyndham Earl actually is. Like, this is another, like, underdeveloped right. concept for a character. Like, this guy should have been our Joker for this series. Like, he should have been this criminal mastermind who's, like, devious and intrusive and, like... Just take away know, the flute. Yeah, he's always he's always right behind you. Let's don't put him in a onesie and make him jump around and meow like a cat. Let's make him do these scary I things. I loved that part, though, because I just think that shows how <laughs> whacked this guy is. But he's also kind of a I think he is an evil genius. Yeah. yeah. It's just it's it's there's so much partial evidence of that. that I, I I don't know. It's it's another good part of the idea that didn't get fleshed out quite enough for me. Hmm. Yeah. Like this, Overall, this guy's a threat and we should see that more. Do you not like. Do you not find him to be a great villain in the show or like I think he's potentially one of the best villains in the yeah. show. But it's it's this stuff where you know like we said we've got he's got bamboo flutes yeah. and like tries to bamboots tie a spider to Leo and like Whoa, just has bad disguises. There. Relax. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> he's he's underdeveloped okay. and like this should have been the primary concern. Of the second half of the season. I like I liked having his name introduced early. Like right. saying, hey, this is going to be a thing. And then let's roll that snowball and make him the most threatening presence that we have to deal with now. And he, he feels like an afterthought. Mm. I feel like we're spending too much time at picnics and with <laughs> with Andy and weird clothes and like stuffed ferrets. And we're not enough on what the actual problem is. Yeah. I mean, yeah, once once the Laura Palmer story was out of the way, nothing ever really took center stage again the way that that did. So who? Empty who? (laughs) I mean, let's just give him some credit because he does beat the shit out of Leo with that flute. And that's just amazing. We have to thank him for that service. Absolutely. I mean, honestly. And I'm assuming that Leo's just been beaten a lot by that flute because in that scene he didn't even barely flinch it was like oh he's fixing to beat me with a flute oh it's, this again this again <laughs> yeah yeah he doesn't even try to get away he just sits there after he <laughs> yeah. and just keeps looking at he's him so resigned like, to it now oh gosh jacoby holds a therapy session with nadine and ed nadine roasts ed for being so serious about their breakup 
Jacoby states Nadine will return to normal, but only once her tissues feel safe. She also realizes she only has one eye now. That was the best part for me, that just at the very end, like, nothing about the divorce, just, wait a second, my eye. Where's my eye? I thought that was genius. It was just very, very good. Well, and I've never noticed this before, but she, she winks. And I think that's what makes her realize that she can't see Uh, at all. Right? But I always thought it was something about the conversation. She's been blinking this whole time. And now suddenly. <laughs> I was I know, but like... she makes that face. Like, she goes to wait. She's like, uh, I don't want you to have any incidents with Mike or whatever. Well, maybe just one. And then she goes to wink. And she has this weird look on her face. Like, it's all just uh, dawning on her. She sells the moment well. She really does. Yeah. <laughs> That's my Nadine. Oh. I do like reductive consciousness Nadine kind of dunking on Ed. Oh, for, all day. I was in a stuffed it. shirt. She was roasting his ass and he was just like, I cannot take that. Okay, this was literally like a teenage daughter yeah. roasting her old ass dad. And I was Mr. here Ed. for all <laughs> Mr. Ed. I was here for Mr. every Ed. bit of it. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. It is she, very good. She's like, who gives a shit? We're done, Ed. <laughs> just love it. <laughs> and I love how Jacoby's like, okay, but I need you to understand the seriousness of divorce. And yeah. she's like, yeah, anyway, <laughs> just love her. Oh, God, love her. Ben visits Eileen and Donna sees them together. Oh, oh my God, a VT. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> this is such a strange mystery it. to start setting up. Like, why is Ben visiting Donna's mom? Why does he give her this weird kiss? Like, also, yeah, I don't know where. Yeah, but also, what has Donna been up to all day? It's like she's just like standing around different parts of her house waiting for plot to show up for her. Why is nobody in school? Well, we have it's stopped a weekend, asking I think. that question on this show. <laughs> yeah. Norma convinces Shelly to enter the Miss Twin Peaks contest. Might I offer you my own pageant answer as I competed in the Miss Dairy Festival pageant in high school? Thank you. One moment. <clears throat> Contestant number three, Melissa. How are you going to shape the future of the world? Well, I believe the kids are the future of the world, and that is why I am going to pursue a degree in early childhood education so I can better the future of America. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Spoiler alert, I didn't become a teacher. (laughs) I was going to say, what happened Uh, with all your ambitions? But I did win the pageant. A booyah! What? I was Mysterious Festival 2003, suckers. Get with (laughs) it. Okay. We're with it. Okay. I love it. Congrats. Give her a (laughs) sash. Yeah, right? Anyway, Wyndham, complete with face tattoo, talks up Shelly. Cooper meets Annie and electricity. Annie's mm. coffee really tickles his pickle. Mm. Oh, Mel. Oh, yeah. Okay, so how do we feel about Annie and Coop? I like it. I like Annie as a as a new element in the Twin Peaks averse. Mm-hmm. I really like the character as one of the more normal seeming people because we've we've often seen you know everyone in Twin Peaks acting like. Stuff being weird is weird, and that's just how it is. Every now and then, you'll get somebody, quote unquote, normal, who comes through and sticks out. 
but they don't stick around. So Annie is somebody who has not been fully submerged in the weirdness of the town is now sticking out like a sore thumb as being mostly normal and trying to readapt to a normal life. But this right. is not the correct environment for that. No. Uh, so I, I like her as the uh, sort of piece that doesn't fit in the puzzle. Hmm. And maybe it's it's because of that. Maybe that she doesn't fit in just so with everybody else that she stands out so much to Cooper. So that seems like a natural progression to me for the characters. I think it's just because nobody ever stops to ask how she's doing. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Um, okay, Dave, I'm with you on this. I, I also, I mean, we've seen the trauma that the people in Twin Peaks have. That moment where Cooper sees her wrist when she's pouring the coffee. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know why it got me in the feels because I was like, wow. I mean, he's, you know, like, it's just the way he looks at it. And then I don't think his demeanor necessarily changes, but almost like something happens in him where he's like, your coffee is perfect. It's almost like he realizes that there is something that caused her to harm herself. And he's picked up on that and he wants her to feel, you know, like welcomed and feel good. And And I loved it. Mm -hmm. I loved that. Um, I also think Annie probably really reminds him a lot of Caroline. And I think that might be where the infatuation really comes in with him is because I I just think that that's, that's what it is for me. Audrey didn't look anything like her. So like when, you know, you see Annie and you're like, Oh, this is his stuckiest type. I don't know, but yeah, it's like at first sight he feels that yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. And perhaps and she with makes what, good coffee. I mean, yeah. yeah I don't know if she town. really did though. Or we combo. don't know that. Maybe he was getting some Diane vibes. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't think she looks that much Mr. like a dictaphone. <laughs> so right now she's a tape recorder. So you don't know. Right? Uh, also, I've never seen Diane. Who, who maybe I haven't Diane? either. But like he has. She has. Yeah, and That's he true. loves her. That's true. I also just wanted to say, maybe also when he saw that mark on her wrist, maybe it triggered something in him where he thought, oh, I could maybe do something for her that I maybe couldn't do for Caroline. Because we all know how Caroline ended very tragically for him. I might be dipping real. I might be going way deep, but I just feel like it. Cooper has a savior complex. Yeah. I just yeah. walk, walking it back just a little bit. It is a really cool moment. Uh, I think Tom McLaughlin does a great job of portraying how this character notices the marks, internalizes it, and then reacts in a way that's not, you know, super apparent. Like, hey, saw your self harm scars. Right. Like, let me right. say a good thing to you now. Like, hey, uh, that, yeah. Couldn't help but notice, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Care to elaborate? You know, you know. <laughs> I think Kyle's so good in this scene juggling all of those things too. Like, there's yeah. clearly something about Annie that catches his eye immediately. He's taking in this scar that he sees on her arm, mm-hmm. but you can tell that he is picking up on some other vibe as well because he's like just a second too late to look across the bar and see Wyndham, right? Also, Wyndham left and just left his cheeseburger, pulls a Maddie, leaving the, the cherry coke. Why does everybody so, just I'm leave so their freaking Maddie? So mad. <sighs> so mad. Wasteful. So wasteful. Toad will get it. Yes, he <laughs> Toad will. Toad will get it. But man, I 
I gotta tell you, from the second that cheeseburger hit the scene, it, it stole the episode for me. Like it looks so good. <laughs> it looks so good. Five foreheads. Five foreheads on that cheeseburger. <laughs> Harry spiraling as he vandalizes the bookhouse hideaway. He's never been to China, goddammit, and what is he gonna do with his life now? <laughs> Whatever, this is great. Like yeah. I said, I want to watch Harry yell all the time. And waving that gun around? I'm sorry. Whoever gives Michael on King shit it. here, like, I just, I don't get it. You're a hater. I think his physicality is so great. The gun adds this element that wasn't there before as well. And it's kind of sad, too, because you're like, Harry, what are you up to with that gun even? And, like, you're in a very dark place right now. I think he does great. He's, like, just belligerent enough that you believe it. Yeah. Well, Let's inject a little that. danger into some yeah. Harry. Yeah. Ooh, danger like Harry. Give me a like danger Harry. Set, the set dressing, like the way they totally destroyed <laughs> the inside of the bookhouse. The, the photos on the wall have literally just been like cur- like uh, shifted yeah. a little yeah. bit to the side. Yeah. What's on the ceiling? Is it wires? There's a globe somewhere. No, there's like wires oh, or like tree grid. branches all over the ceiling or something. I could not tell what that was. Nobody else noticed this? I didn't I like have a plan. Koopa was just mad. Let it happen. <laughs> I like to think it's tree branches or that it's accidentally showing the set. Yeah. I, I, I would love for it to be the trying set. trying to be like, Josie was telling me about feng shui. <laughs> oh, oh, that would have been Ben. That would have been Ben telling Which him, maybe yeah. she got it from, maybe Ben got it from her. <laughs> I'm going to tell you all I could think of, though. The way his voice sounded was like McGruff, the crime dog. I don't know if y'all know who I'm talking about, but it was just so much like, don't do drugs, kids, you know? And it's like, and and then then, scared straight, scared straight. And then he was just like, I've never been to China. I mean, you know, I'm just like, oh, God, okay, like, chill out. Like a Christian Bale Batman voice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Josie, Josie's gonna be the one for me. Oh, it is sad. I'm not wearing hockey pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like, I like right before it when Hawk comes in and very subtly is like, "Hey, come get your man's." <laughs> yeah, to walk into this situation, like he's so, on a throne of trash with a gun in his hand. Like I can't imagine the first thing that came into Cooper's head walking into this was like. Oh, so this has escalated. Yeah, real quick. We we just brought you breakfast. Yeah. What happened, my guy? Well, and it's been escalating a while because we all know how time works in Twin Peaks. Hawk comes to visit him at the Double R and it's daylight and they get to the bookhouse and it's nighttime. Yeah. Like how long did it take <laughs> yeah. to I'm pretty get sure over the bookhouse is in like South Oregon. <laughs> well, it's across from the roadhouse. I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> it could be in a back room at the double R, and this would still have happened. Like yeah. yeah. This is just how time happens. They could have just here. switched benches at the double R. It depends which way you go. Yeah, it depends which way you oh. go. Yeah. But I did love the way it ended with the mm-hmm. embrace, though, because I, yeah. uh, you know. Yeah, Cooper talked him down, and and that was great. Yeah, I had some emo. I felt some emotions. I cried. That, I know. fully cried. And in my notes, I wrote, "Oh my god, the hug! Is there a dry eye in the house? Like this is incredible." Yes. Mm. Yeah, that's a good scene. It's it, it's a it bit is. of redemption it's, for Coop too. Like I feel like he handles this part so much better mm, than much earlier. Better. Yeah. Uh, he gets he gets a second run at it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, never mind. It's not a hideout because it has a neon sign. Uh, the boys put Harry to bed at the book house. I didn't uh, listen all this time. I thought it was a secret. I like place like that no, like no one knew about. Yeah. And then all it's of a, a lending sudden, library. Like people come and go from here all yes. the time. But then all of a sudden it's got a neon sign above it. That's just not lit right now because somebody's in mourning. I mean, that's, that's right. it's yeah. like flags at half staff. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Josie died. Turn the light off. Mike and Nadine are getting the honeymoon suite at the Great Northern for some deep sea fishing. Mm. Ben Ugh. hosts. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's going to go deep sea fishing. <laughs> ben hosts a gala for the Pine Weasel, complete with a Horns Department Store fashion show. Hey, world, I am here, and so is fashion, darling. <laughs> Catherine busts. Catherine busts Ben's balls while trying to figure out his intentions and hilarity ensues when the ferocious pine weasel runs him up. I know. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, but I love how obviously the whole thing with Mike and Nadine. I yeah, I love it. I love the, di- the disguise. I-, I love that it does not make him look any older than he is in high school. I also love that he gets called out by someone who goes to school with him who oh. is so fashion uh right? deprived did you see what she yeah. had on <laughs> how did she like recognize him in his disguise though from behind i don't yes, i don't understand that was weird it's weird that he doesn't even try to play it off no he doesn't try to play it off like who instead he just says her name and yeah it's like he didn't even try to hide it no i dig this chick sideways cap okay can we not talk shit about this Oh my gosh! Well, it but I it, no. What I'm saying is like this time period for fashion. <laughs> I guess especially in Twin Peaks, was as we fantastic. will see with the fashion show. Oh yes, of course, yeah. It it was great and it's come back. It was great and it's all right. But listen, I just I uh, I'm not a fan of plaid, and I'll just leave it at well, that. Well, the fashion show is garbage, but look who put all these outfits together. Like come <laughs> that's on. true. That's true. Anyway, listen, this whole thing, I mean, aside from Mike and Nadine, the fashion show was just gross. I didn't like Why it. Why are you doing a fashion show for this anyway? I don't really get it. Fashion show, fashion This was not thought through. No. Like, this was thrown together so fast. We have a stuffed ferret, not a pine weasel. We've got some coats that people had been lost and found in the back that we just threw on. Sent Andy out in. And Lucy. Everyone Andy does Lucy. have a future in modeling, though. Lucy. Everyone knows fashion and, is danger. Andy <laughs> really missed an opportunity <laughs> to become an undercover agent. <laughs> yeah. Like, I know that we saw Andy covered in tape in season one. That face was back during this fashion yes. show. The amount uh, of concentration blank. he needed to just stand at the end of the runway and make sure he, like, didn't fall over or something. Um, and then Catherine obviously looks absolutely stunning in this scene as well. Her dress or caftan, whatever it is, is <laughs> stunning. I love the colors. She's fashion. She should have been up there. I know. Th- yeah. This travesty that was going on. I want to go on record show. as saying Piper Laurie is a boss babe and a beautiful soul. Boss. I, inside and out. Boss bitch. I also would like to be on the record that very attractive woman. You should have won like 30 Golden Globes or whatever. Yeah. Back to Catherine and Ben. 
I loved being able to watch them together again. It's been a long time since we've seen them interact in this way where she's not also like Mr. Tajimura or completely Mm -hmm. taking him down. And it gave me such season one vibes when they just have so much fun with one another, these two actors. And I love watching them do whatever they're doing. I love when they have that laugh together at the end of it. It's great. They have this fun little disconnected rivalry that... Like, I don't I don't know that either one of them really has all that much intention of seeing through their individual plans. They're just lazy. It's it's almost like they they have I relate these, a lot to that. Sure. <laughs> I have these grand ideas. I'm like, eh. do you also have grand rivalries? <laughs> well, grand ideas Maybe. breed grand rivalries. I've pissed people off with chewing. <laughs> yeah. My like inherently toxic masculinity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've been meaning to talk to you guys about that. <laughs> yeah, we need we need to be taken down a notch. Okay, let's talk about the chaos that ensues with this pine weasel getting loose, this ferret, this pine weasel, this creature, whatever. Ugh. I mean, this is like a, a spoofy horror film that's happening, especially well, with the absolutely. scream queen at the end. I, I love happening? that this turns from a daytime soap opera into a Ray Stevens video. <laughs> Real quick. <laughs> Ray Stevens. Ah, it does! The streak! <laughs> It just goes off the rails and becomes this like goofy, like National Lampoon level comedy yeah. for two minutes. The the chick coming out from the back who was away from the yeah. danger, who was who safe, pushes yeah. Audrey, comes blasting from backstage, screaming like a banshee into the danger. It's amazing. It's yeah. probably it's probably the exclamation point on the episode. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah. It doesn't get better what, than this part. Like way scarier what, what things if, have happened in this town. Why is why is this what does true. this? You know, you know what the the general populace doesn't see a lot of the genuine terror. So there. this is as great as it gets. Yeah, that's true. Especially at such a jazzy event. I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah. This is zhuzhed up. But I well. loved I loved the camera view of the ferret just going wild. Oh, I was so into it. I was like, this is great. That poor ferret. I'm, I mean, I don't think you can teach a ferret. Like no, you can't sure like dogs and el- they just set that thing loose. And I love everything doors, about it. Set it loose. <laughs> set it loose. I can see David Lynch with his megaphone. <laughs> set the ferret loose. <laughs> okay. Well, and ferret. The ferret. <laughs> <laughs> Lock the doors. Oh my god. <laughs> Lock the doors. But this time better. <laughs> Half expected a moment of like Pinkle turning towards the stage and the giant appearing just to say some advice. It is happening again. There's a <laughs> yeah. The scene is so cheesy that the only thing missing is somebody turning to camera and going, That's the way it goes. <laughs> That would have been Pinkle. That would have been Pinkle. Yeah. <laughs> like, for sure. And then, like, an ad for, Safe. I don't know, yeah. Pinkle's medical supply. Sure. Or the taxidermy. Rodent control. Yeah. yeah, or the taxidermy, yeah. yeah. Bob Lidecker, a, a video, yeah. a commercial for sure, him. Yeah. yeah. He'll be just about your best friend in the whole world. <laughs> Bob Lidecker had that, definitely <laughs> had to take care of this ferret after yeah. <laughs> For sure, for sure. Oh my goodness. Okay, 
Jones is ready to rock Harry's world, and we close with Harry snoring. So, I mean, I know we've talked about great endings to the episodes in season happy two. Ending. I would say this would have happy ending, sure. Wow. I would have Put to toxic make a... Away, please. Yeah. <laughs> I would have to make a bold statement here and say that I did not enjoy the ending to this episode. Oh. I, no, I, I mean, it was terrible. It was not good. I mean, she knocks out the security guard. Okay, whatever. And she reveals her lingerie and gets in bed. I mean, obviously we know something sinister is going to happen. And Harry is obviously passed out in his drunk stupor. It didn't leave me on the edge of my seat, though, being worried about what was going to happen next, like we've been really? seeing in the previous episodes. I did, I really didn't. Like, I when it faded out to the, the credits, I was like, oh, okay. It's over. I mean, it's I wonder over. if it's yeah, because it, I legitimately don't remember what's coming with this, that for me, this is, it feels like mm-hmm. a genuine cliffhanger where I'm like, fuck, I, I do want to see what's coming next, but... Yeah, like we don't know what this girl's really up to. And I like the um, consistency in the direction. Like every time she enters a room, it's sort of from her point of view in a way. Like you never see her coming. She keeps sneaking up on people. I loved that part. I don't know. It's, I can't wait to see what happens next. I have a feeling based on this reaction that I'm about to be disappointed, but right now I'm in a, I'm in a happy zone with that. So. With what does happen is how what I always think this episode ends as, and it doesn't. Right. <laughs> I always right. combine them. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Well, so for me, putting the potential of this under a microscope, what does it matter? So you have Jones roll up on a passed out Harry and get into bed with him in lingerie after after knocking out a guard. Well, first of all, this guard's going to wake up before either one of you. Two, if somebody catches Harry in bed with this before unknown person, Jones. You're too unknown. Like, yeah, heretofore unknown person, Jones. Uh, who cares? <laughs> like, okay, his. So his girlfriend died and he's drunk and upset. This is something that could happen organically. She just happens to plant herself in his bed while he's unconscious. I mean, first of all, bad form on her because this uh-huh. is a complete lack of consent. Uh Yeah, I mean, but don't you feel like that's where the threat is? I mean, Harry is passed out. He doesn't know that this woman is getting into bed with he. I mean, we know she's been sent by Eckhart in a scene before a couple episodes ago when they're in the elevator. I think it's Eckhart and Andrew. Eckhart says, like, he is sending an assistant, an assistant to take care of the Harry problem. So maybe I'm thinking about that part, too. Like, it feels threatening to me. But what problem does this take care of? Well, that's what the even if he's caught waking up in bed with this person by somebody else, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, okay. I, I, I get I guess it, I'm man. Not, like, I mean, you've been that's taking care of. You're in, you're in a bad place. You're right. in a bad place. You made a mistake. But. Like she could have knocked out that guard and then shot him if it was going to be taking care of Harry. And instead, right, yeah. it, it's she knocked him out, and now she's going like, to do sexy he, 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 stuff. Wouldn't it be funny uh, if he woke up in bed with me? Uh, it, that's like, what, exactly. This that's is why not threatening. I'm like, no. See, I guess I'm not looking at it like that. Like, I'm I'm not thinking like, oh, people are going to think it's so crazy that Harry is sleeping with somebody new right after Josie. Like, I'm mm. worried that right. something more dangerous is I mean, coming. I it might be if Twin Peaks is the high school town we all think it is. Fair. I, I mean, yeah, I, I guess this could stir up drama, but that'd be the extent of right. the result. Like, what? 
What more do you need? What sort of menace is in play here if she just gets into bed and stays there? Like that's. I guess the creepy part is that Harry is so drunk and out cold that somebody getting into bed with you when you're not aware of that feels really Mm -hmm. uncomfortable. And like a violation. He'll he'll wake up. He'll wake up and question what happened. Third party watching. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the character is uncomfortable. Yeah, I feel very uncomfortable and concerned. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. But the character of Harry, if he wakes up to this person in bed with him, like what what's where does the arc go from there? It's just like, oh, whoa, that's crazy. Well, uh, was it good for you? <laughs> no, I'm yeah. just kidding. It's <laughs> like, that's terrible. It's like I, I don't really remember last night. I don't know who this person is, but I guess I'm worried that something's going to happen before they wake up. Is my point? Like it's I, not I, just I, them waking up. Together. I get that. I love that. This I get is that, the but there's nothing to suggest right that will us. be a like. <laughs> this is amazing. Well, yeah. right. Like I guess, yeah. Like that's what I mean by if she's going to quote unquote take care of the problem. Like in my mind, I'm thinking she's going to kill him for whatever reason. Right. He needs to be mm-hmm. dead, and. The natural progression going with that thought would be, well, now I have the opportunity to to smother him or shoot him or whatever it may be. But then it's just weird because she undresses into a very nice, you know, like nothing. Death by (laughs) sex is a real thing. (laughs) That is Lana. It's it's pretty modest lingerie, really. (laughs) Like it's considered. It's like what Josie wore. It it, (gasps) is. Wait a yeah. minute. Okay, never mind. I'm keeping my mouth She's shut. She's wearing all black like no. that. I mean, the name Jones, it's yeah. not exactly Josie, but like Jones, Josie, Jonesy. like Jonesy. Yeah. Jones and for Jonesy. <laughs> I don't know. I Another just think day. it could have ended with like, I, I guess for me, it's just the thought of her getting into bed with him. No, it's not right. And it's very uncomfortable. I very much agree with that. But if it continues th- the intrusion. Thing, right. The on a yeah. threatening yeah. level, I would be expecting her to be picking, like I said, picking up a pillow and that be the end of it. Like, oh, she's going to smother him. Today. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, yeah. it just that, yeah, that would, would be foreboding. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> then I would be on the edge of my seat because I'd be like, oh, shit, they're going to kill Harry. Right. It, this lady is just going to. Or she pulled like a knife or a syringe yeah. or anything. She's just going to sexually assault him. But it, this, it feels more like a prank. She's just, I mean, not threat. just. No, I didn't mean it like that. What I meant it's is it's casual it's, sexual assault. Oh. I don't spooky. mean just sexually harass him. I mean, like, that doesn't feel as ominous as if you were getting ready to Jacques Renault somebody. If okay. you know what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. So. Bite the bullet. Okay, well, do we have any sort of final thoughts? We're going to head into the spoiler slash connection section, obvi, but uh, yeah, anything else? Anything final? Full disclosure, this is not the episode I watched. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Really? (laughs) For real. We are at two and a half fucking hours, and you just telling us that you did not watch this episode? I remember this episode. (laughs) What have you been talking about this entire time? I want to see, I want to like scroll back and see Tyler's reaction to when he realizes. Wait, you asked him his thoughts. You asked him his thoughts, though, first at the beginning. It was after that. It was after that, but it applies because. (laughs) 
Whatever. <laughs> I watched. I watched Slaves and Masters. Oh no! About wounds and scars. You watched the Diane Keaton. I'm so yes. sorry you watched Because I remember that. us having a conversation about it. Yeah. Yeah. I am so. floored right now. <laughs> it's okay. That's amazing. All right. Well, let's let's head into that spoiler slash connection section. But just in case anybody is not joining us, guys, tell everybody where they can find you and where they can listen to your show. I'm right here. Uh, sure. Hi. It is anchor.fm slash talking backwards. We are also on Twitter at talking backward. You can reach us at talkingbackwardspod at gmail.com. I would also like to enter. I would like to inter- insert something. Please check out their Patreon. It is one of my favorite wow. Patreons. I, oh. And I'm not just saying that because you're on the show. I'm a true fan of the podcast. I love the content that you provide on there. It's amazing. Please check them out. Um, and you, and if you there was no chewing in this episode. So give them five stars. OK, they deserve <laughs> it. That is patreon.com slash talking backwards. Thank you guys so much for being on the show. Glad we could finally make it work. All right. Well, we'll see everybody else for episode 18. Bye-bye. Bye. Part 18. Bye. Where the coyotes howl and the wind blows free in a narrow grave six by three. Don't bury me now on the lone prairie. And we're back in the spoiler slash connection section. Let's go. All right. I Let's do it. I have one tiny thing I'll just say really quickly. I love the moment when Hawk says that he does not like paperwork. He does not want that more like bureaucratic position. This is why he is not the sheriff in the return. Haters calm down. He didn't want the gig. And that's it. That's all yeah. I've uh, got. So but there's no proof of paperwork in Harry's job. <laughs> well, no, he clearly hasn't done <laughs> Only it. Only in the doing it all, but <laughs> Yeah. Guess what? When we take a look at Harry's paperwork, it's actually all of Dougie's drawings from when he figured <laughs> out just ladders. The uh scheme at the entrance so, files, yeah. yeah. That's, that's a good, good connection there. And, well, and honestly, if you go to the return and you look at the department going through paperwork, it's like it's their first time doing it. Yeah. Like we got to get everything out. Yes. And go through every single thing we've got because it's all just in boxes. That's been a storage. lot of boxes. Yeah. This hasn't been processed. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, there probably isn't any real rhyme or reason to how things are sorted over there. They've got to go through everything bit by bit. I was just going to say <gasps> I'm surprised it's not digitized, but actually I'm not. That doesn't seem now, like a do you not thing. remember the computer screen coming out of the desk and the Skype call with Doc Hayward? That is the they most are tech, not with the time techie tech I know. thing <laughs> happening though. Like and this was 2017. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a misuse of resources. Yes. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like we're yeah. going to invest in the technology budget, go. but it's for rising screens and not for actually getting this <laughs> stuff into an accessible digital format. We spent fourteen thousand dollars on this proprietary. <laughs> But listen, I want so it. Great. It's so cool. It's still a 480p <laughs> screen, <laughs> but it rises it's a dial-up modem. I'll just stand here and watch TV for hours. <laughs> All right. Anybody oh. else? Dave, do you have anything? There's this theme of invasion that really does cement itself in this episode. 
And that really carries over into the return. Uh, it's actually one of the biggest connections I made when we were at the Reber house recording one of our episodes. It's like there's there. there's this thing that happens in nature with owls invading spaces. And yeah, they're mm. lazy. They're tricky. They, they are lazy. But they'll they'll take over a nest. So they don't build their own nests. Right. They just sort of invade previously created spaces. Or your nooks, you know, or, or just places that aren't like like spiders. They'll just get in there and and take over a spot. They'll just get um, in your nook. They'll, was, they'll shit get in, in your, your yard too, just so you know. Because the <laughs> also, other day, yeah. the big owl that lives in my neighborhood got on my lamppost while we were outside and proceeded to shit for five minutes straight oh my into God. my yard. And it just looked at you. I'm not what I see. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of this shit? <laughs> and I am not exaggerating. We've I Scott videoed it. Oh, oh god. I was like, how much shit Maybe do you that's have? Roll the, roll the tape. <laughs> roll it. Also, five minutes is an amateur want? hour. Scott was or James was like, that owl's pooping a lot. And I was like, yeah. The hell oh, did it it's eat? Cool. Some fourth grade class somewhere is gonna be very thankful for those pellets to dissect. <laughs> no, it was diarrhea. Oh. It was diarrhea. Let's continue okay, on. Back Let's to continue on. Anyway, as I was saying, as uh, you were saying, so just the, just the the invasion of spaces is very owly behavior on Wyndham Earl's part. Like it's mm-hmm. just that that running theme of owls and owl behavior, and you know the invasion of space. It was a connection that I hadn't really thought about until we were talking about the episode just hmm. now. Like so seeing, kind of like seeing Wyndham Earl. Yeah, like Space Invaders. <laughs> <laughs> Just seeing Wyndham Earl get too close to people without them realizing he's there right. as as he truly is. And just being intrusive. Like that's that's pretty owly. Yeah. And that's, that's 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 owly behavior. That's I think that gives a tad <laughs> too much credit to Earl. Sure. Owls, while whilst invasive, are whilst. still known as wise, and they're still pooping for five minutes at a time. And they poop like if you look at them, they're going to poop. We don't know Wyndham's <laughs> bathroom habits. Let's not pretend to know. Well, wait a minute now. I, no, but he's I, not wise. I have something to say about the wise owl because uh, if I recall from my childhood correctly, there was an owl that never knew how many licks it took to get to the center of a tootsie roll. One. A three. That was not a wise owl, in my opinion. It wasn't. I, so many. I, I'm sorry. He was working like smart, not hard. One Jasmine, point. don't tell me you did <laughs> not like have the, the tootsie sixth reference that you guys are all laughing at, and I'm like, yeah, good one, guys. Whoa! Did you also not have the Sears commercial where the wife asks what the paper says about the weather tomorrow, and the uh, husband's like? <laughs> Another scorcher. Yeah. She's like, cool. I don't think so. You. <laughs> Your childhood must have been terrible. Actually, I, I got I to gotta pump brakes. I got to pump brakes. Dave? Jasmine hasn't seen the Tootsie Roll commercial? I don't think so. Do they not have Tootsie Rolls in Canada? Because that, that could be a thing. Do they not oh, have no, Tootsie Rolls? No, we have Tootsie Rolls, yeah, but I just don't sure think I've you ever seen it. a commercial. Oh, okay. Uh, she did send me a commercial from She's her so childhood. That I watch on repeat. It's fantastic. Where right? they would, mm-hmm. they would, this, this couple would have fitness breaks in between, like, at, at commercial time. Body breaks? Who does Yeah. And these, 
they were crazy. When I tell you she, the episode that she sent me, she was busting his balls left and right. Yeah, they're great. While she was out Canadian of breath from riding a bicycle. Canadian treasure. And I was like, this is amazing. No, we didn't have to have anything like this when I was growing up. Matter of fact, all of our commercials were eat this processed shit and stay in front of the TV. Don't get up and exercise. And ours were Ben Horn Hell, right? eating celery. I mean, a Ben Horn version. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. We had Nickelodeon saying to call in and pledge hours to go outside and rake leaves. I used to do yeah, it. And I did it. But guess what? I didn't rake leaves. I didn't rake leaves either. <laughs> I called in, called in, but I did not rake leaves. I also I wrote. Called, did not rake. I tried to get in that sweepstakes every time they had the Nickelodeon. The like, I was where they would come to school and everything. And man, I, I wrote till I had carpal tunnel <laughs> and they never responded to me. Wow. Right. So you did it once. Yep. I did it once. No, I'm <laughs> very weak wrists. It's the computer age, Nick. <laughs> Do y'all have dunk. fantastic fruity popsicles? No. Do you remember a dog ever saying the colors, Duke? <laughs> the colors? I don't think so, no. Jeez. Canada is a different world. It's a different world up there. And I can't wait to come. It is, yeah. Did you ever hear kids begging for Nickelodeon magazine? Yeah, Please? but we also didn't have, we had our own version of Nickelodeon. Like we got. So you didn't like have a, it. No, we got like a Nickelodeon import type thing, but we didn't have like that. Dimelodeon? <laughs> no, no, no. Quarterlodeon. Thank you. That sounds rich. Yeah. Toonylodeon. Toonylodeon. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. I had the hold on one second. Okay. Yeah, I do have to say my sister gave me a subscription to the Nickelodeon magazine and I Please. fucking loved that thing. Just heart. so you all know, it had all the latest news on Doug and everything else. And I was Doug. Doug. <laughs> everything else. And I am just gonna what leave was it Doug at that. <laughs> what was he was Patty Manning? Green green sweater vest and some khaki. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling like a who you. Anyways, better yes. section with Doug and we we can some nerd. We can move on, but I I was Skeeter. very into that magazine Skeeter. when I was little. Oh. Roger anyway. looking cool in his leather jacket. Leather jacket, ah, <laughs> uh, with his squiggly hair. Ah, uh, guy was pork so chop. Pale. Oh, love oh, it, man. Okay, anyway, let's. Sorry. All right, Patrick, do you have anything for this section? Yeah. Um, I want to say first, I really liked um, Log Lady getting her kind of backstory, especially setting up the stuff we learned in like secret history because it just expands mm -hmm. on that more. And I think that's really cool. So that's kind of the first thing I think of with this episode. Uh, it just makes me wonder how much Mark Frost back thought maybe back then about her backstory. Yeah. Um, so it's just cool to think about that where we're like, yeah, it's like we would love to have seen more of or maybe learn more about that in the show. But at least we do get some of that in the book. So that's really cool. The only like sort of weird connection and it's the connections that we'll make on our show with doubles, sometimes triples, and especially with names, uh, was when it came to Wendell Merle being Gerald Craig. Um, cause I thought of little Denny Craig who OD'd mm, mm -hmm. in, um, in the return. Um, so maybe Gerald Craig was his grandfather. <laughs> yeah. That's what I like to think. That's my headcanon. R.I.P. <laughs> so. Denny. R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. I mean, little Denny Maybe Craig. even great-grandfather, honestly. Yeah, right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Or son. Yeah, that's that makes more sense. Probably. Or his son. Yeah, let's or just be his real. son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After Time the discussion and Twin today. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. Craig. Yeah. So that was one I definitely never thought of. It was one of those just strange moments where I was just hearing him say his name, and I was like, "Huh." One eight hundred. Oh, little Denny Craig. Denny twenty. <laughs> yep. So I know yeah. that one. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yes. Well, I yeah, want to hear what Tyler's connection is, even though it was the wrong episode, yes, just because I, can't, I have to know. <laughs> yeah. Well, the first one was that Malcolm was a entry-level spirit, mm-hmm. just because okay. of the mm-hmm. weird slowing down frame rate, whatever. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Demonic voice, yeah. then like kissing on her face. It was weird. Yep. Yeah. The other was um, when Ben wins the Civil War as the Confederate Army. Spurs on the new timeline of where the return ends, where Ooh, the tree mon- Alice Tremont bye. lives in the Palmer house. When he changes <laughs> history, literally. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh my god! Goosebumps. <laughs> That's fun to think about. I mean, not fun for the outcome of the Civil War, obviously, but no for the implications. Oh, no, it's, yeah. It's just the thought of that being a different timeline. Timeline. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I can't believe I haven't thought of that. Because it's so easy to dismiss everything to do with the fucking Civil War plot that. Yeah, like, for sure. Yeah. For sure. You need a mind like Tyler so to connect it. was a joke it. in the first this. place. Yeah. I'm trying to picture this Lovecraftian eldritch horror. Just like, okay, well, he changed that. <laughs> yeah. So now I gotta. <laughs> yeah. I guess in this guy's fake war. Well, I gotta... It's a multiverse. So like. I got to switch the train. This giant track. thing could have just changed who lived in the Palmer House. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. But yeah, now, nice and on that note too, with Whoa. Dick Dick Tremont, I'm now thinking he's married to Alice in the uh, in the Return. I think he's the one speaking. Poor off Alice. He's off camera. Oh, <laughs> yeah. well, yeah. bless her heart. Yeah, <laughs> she Dick got the Tremont. raw end of deal. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Uh, oh God. She got a raw dog deal. Big Tremont is the, master, is the mastermind behind everything. He's too he's too weighed down with just layers of clothes to get up and answer the door. Not this. Wouldn't it wouldn't it make complete sense that Dick Tremaine or Dick Tremont is the mastermind just between <laughs> behind everything? It would. I mean it would explain the accent a little bit. He's an outsider. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. What a Scooby Doo reveal! Of just this <laughs> Cthulhu mask coming off, and it's. Oh, 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 oh. Did you oh, imagine? Yeah, did. in the I mean, he in the final the moments, got a light. So, <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> See, <laughs> so good. Love just it. the camera goes in the house, and he's just like, "It's me." <laughs> That's how the return <laughs> ends. <laughs> he turns to camera and goes. What are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why Carrie screams like she does. Uh, not yes. him. Ah! Yes. <laughs> not She's not this. remembering her own <laughs> trauma. It's just the sight of Dick Tremont. Yeah. yeah. Dick Tremont. That just oh, sounds man. gritty and yeah. jars the ear. Yes. Dick yeah. Tremont. <laughs> Dick Tremont. Worse than cat like some kind of like <laughs> abandoned procedure. I don't know. <laughs> Dick Tremont. Well, Dick Tremont. Well, he was here go. for Dick, Dick Tremont. Mm. <laughs> Dick Tremont. <laughs> oh. Well, Mel's, yeah. do you have anything? 
Um, I don't, and mainly because I, I, I really you just the wrong didn't episode find any. Or? No, I watched the right one. I was a good little girl, but uh, I oh, no, just... I was a bad girl. <laughs> you were a bad, bad girl. girl. <laughs> You're a bad girl, Tracy. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't make any connections, and yeah, yeah. I hate it though because I love doing that, but I just wasn't into this. I just wasn't into this episode. So yeah, fair enough. Well, if that's all for this week, I've got a question for you, Miss Double R Diner. How would you bring about world peace? Well, I'd get all the world's leaders together in a room and put on an episode of Damn Fine TV because you can't make a fist when you're applauding a great podcast. (laughs) Have you ever eaten moldy chocolate? The tardigrade? I'm Jasmine. Swear on Satan, I'll do that. That's my headcanon. Okay. Into it, into it, into it, into it. All of it. I'm Mel's. I love it. Dumb. Dumb, 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 dumb. Wait a minute. (laughs) And if you're watching TV, I love it. Make sure it's damn fine TV. This is amazing. That was awesome. Oh, my God. Okay. That was a fun... Fun time we just had. Yeah, that went way out in left field. That I'm okay with it. As far as derailings go, mm-hmm. yeah, would recommend. Absolutely, ten out of ten. Would derail again. Would derail again. Probably will derail again. I'm sure. Making a note. Yeah. That cut here. Okay.